I would like find these really rare bottles and they're like, okay, but can you get us more Pappy? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but this is like literally the very first Blanton's in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah that's cool. But um, uh, Pappy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's episode 257 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready for this COVID stuff to be over. But it's a reality that we all still need to work together to create a safe environment for everyone. And that means that there's still some bourbon-related COVID news to talk about. The Kentucky Distillers Association announced that last Friday on June 6th, its board of directors unanimously decided to cancel this year's Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame induction and ceremony. Now the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame recognizes individuals and organizations that have made a significant and transformational impact on bourbon stature, growth, and awareness. It's the highest honor that can be given in the signature industry and it's presented annually every year during the Kentucky Bourbon Festival in Bardstown. And but however this year the board felt that with travel restrictions, social distancing, limitations on attendance, and general uncertainty about the future conditions, that it would diminish this esteemed fall event. However, the Kentucky Bourbon Festival is not being canceled. It's only being postponed one month. And this four-day festival, which typically takes place in September, is now being planned to take place on October 15th through the 18th. And the tickets to attend will be available to purchase at a later date. Now, if you've been listening and even paying attention to bourbon, you know that distilleries have been producing hand sanitizer. And around 75% of all craft distilleries around the nation have been doing it as well. But what's the long-term effect going to be? Are we going to see a shortage of bourbon in the future because of this? Well, according to RobReport.com, Bacardi has already issued a statement on the matter, saying that these temporary and emergency actions at all their locations will not disrupt the supply of the brands in the Bacardi portfolio. And the short answer is that there's plenty of spirits around. They're in barrels that are aging in warehouses, not only just in the nation, but across the world. There's even some even more in holding tanks that are waiting to be bottled. So the major brands, such as those owned by Diageo, Beam Centauri, Bacardi, Heaven Hill, Brown and Foreman, and those likely will not be affected. And according to Discus chief economist David Osgo, who you might recall back from the podcast on episode 206, he said that supply should be more than adequate. Many whiskeys have production lead times going into years because of necessary aging. And the same products that are sold to liquor stores are also sold to bars and restaurants. And with bars and restaurants being closed or operating at limited capacity, those stocks can be dedicated to retail outlets. Now on the barrel selection side of things, Four Roses has announced changes to their single barrel program to be in line with the Center for Disease Control and government restrictions. For the podcast, we've done around 10 Four Roses barrel selections with the Patreon community, and it's always been a pleasure to go see Mandy Vance and the entire Four Roses team there. Now to set a visual and kind of set the stage for you, when we go, it's usually around 10 people in total. There's seven to eight barrels all lined up with different recipes. You get there, you file in line, you grab your copita glass, and you get some bourbon thieved directly from the barrel, and then you go back to your spot in the tasting room. There's a bowl of chips and some light conversation. It's an intimate setting, so there's an easy way to kind of just have that sort of uh, that environment. Now, however, here's the changes. The experience is now being limited to only four guests in total and guests will be required to have a temperature check upon arrival with the security guard. And anyone that's been on a barrel selection at the bottling facility, they know exactly what I'm talking about when you start rolling up to those gates. 
Masks will also be required in the selection room, and masks will only be able to be removed when you're tasting. Guests will also be asked to sanitize their hands upon entering the selection room. And instead of filling your Copita glasses directly from the barrel, there will now be disposable flight boards with tasting glasses that are pre-filled prior to your arrival. And there's not even a tour afterwards either. This isn't the most awesome experience that we're accustomed to, but it's a reality for the time being. We're gonna be waiting to see how other distilleries are going to be shifting their barrel selection programs here shortly as well. Now onto some bourbon release news. The name Hirsch. You may know that from those iconic A.H. Hirsch bottles and the title of Chuck Cowdery's book, The Best Bourbon That You'll Never Taste. It now has a new label coming from Hodling & Company, a San Francisco importer of spirits, and it's called Hirsch The Horizon. It's not the same iconic whiskey as once previously bottled, but the brand is being resurrected once again. This inaugural batch combines two straight bourbons distilled from MGP, and 94% of the blend is distilled from a traditional mash bill, 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% malted barley. And that's been aged for five years and four months. And the remaining only 6% is distilled from a high rye mash, which has been six years and two months. It's also being bottled at 92 proof with an SRP of around $40. It will only be available in eight states and select online retailers. Now for today's roundtable, it's a potpourri of bourbon questions. We talk about our favorite 10-year age-dated bourbons that are readily available on the shelves today. Then we look into the high-age Knob Creek releases, including those 12 and 15 years that you've been seeing recently, and what this could mean for the private barrel selection losing those higher-age barrels. Then we talk about some Father's Day gift ideas that we would like to have ourselves. Lastly, we take a moment to take a look back in time, and we ask ourselves, what would we have done differently if we got into bourbon earlier? Now for today's show, it was dedicated to raising funds for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Bourbon Pursuit has pledged $1,000 to help bring awareness and equality. If you're interested in hearing more about women in whiskey, all the master distillers that we've interviewed, or listen to all the past roundtables, go visit our website, bourbonpursuit.com, and you can view all the podcasts by category. Now with that, enjoy today's episode, and here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. From CNET, headline, Second mysterious repeating radio burst from space keeps scientists guessing. Oh boy, here's the first paragraph. For the second time, astronomers detected a consistent pattern in a fast radio burst from somewhere in deep space. The first such pattern was discovered in a different FRB back in February. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. 2020 is the year that keeps on giving. And now we have aliens coming. At least, I think. I mean, why else would we have deep space radio patterns coming into Earth? So the question is, what do we give those aliens? Do we give them military? Do we offer them a sign of peace? I'm thinking we should take them to a distillery and crack open a few barrels and uh, see if we can, uh, you know, have a little peace talk and maybe a treaty over some uh, bourbon, a little bit of Jim Beam out of the warehouse, center cut maybe, or let's take him down to Buffalo Trace and, you know, steal a couple of those Blanton barrels or a Weller or, a, hey, maybe uh, they'll let us taste some of that 20 to 23-year-old Pappy. I don't know. Or, or 
we could go up to Iowa and let them taste something a little different at Cedar Ridge. Uh, some of those barrels are tasting mighty fine. Or go over to Woodenville in uh, Washington to taste one of those. I mean, maybe these aliens, they don't want to taste Kentucky bourbon. Maybe they want, or they don't want to taste bourbon at all. Maybe we need to go over to Cognac and crack open one of those really old XOs. And, or maybe they want a tequila or a mezcal, a rum. I don't know. If they do want a rum, I do highly recommend that we give them some Foursquare. That rum is amazing. So the question is, now that we have presumptive aliens coming to Earth, let's uh, let's start thinking about what we should serve them. I'm really thinking it should be bourbon straight out of the barrel. I do. You know? You know, because, you know, there's a little bit of a military advantage there, too. Maybe, you know, they're not friendly and that high proof, you know, might kick them back a little bit. And then there's also the friendly advantage. You're like, oh, man, maybe maybe they really like it. And um, they decide that they don't need to take over our planet after all. But I do think we need a contingency right now from all distillers about what barrel they would give to an alien. Think about that for a minute. Is that a joke? I don't know. Maybe it's not a joke. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you have an idea for Above the Char or, you know, you know what's coming up next in 2020, hit me up on Twitter, at Fred Minnick. Again, at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 from their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody, to the 45th edition of the Bourbon Community Roundtable. This is one of the highlights of our podcast where we get to talk around a bunch of bourbon news, bourbon potpourri, and other happenings. And we're always joined by a lot of people that we have as a part of the roundtable here that come from different aspects of blogging and bourbon media. 
but we have two members of the three people of the Bourbon Pursuit co-host team. So myself, as well as Fred Minnick. Fred, how you doing tonight? I'm good, Kenny. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we have a drink in our hands now. So it's yeah. been a long. It's been a long, long day. So, it has been. So, Fred, uh, I'm going to start off a question with you, and it's a, it's a question that I'm going to put to everybody as they start introducing themselves because I think it's a fun way that maybe we can start breaking it up and learn more about personalities when we start doing these uh, next round of podcasts. And I'll just start asking like a, a random question, but this one's kind of more on topic. So, how would your wife describe your bourbon hobby? For you, it's more uh, of a career, but what would she? Yeah, what, what, I mean, how does she explain it to her friends? What you do? Um. That I don't have enough bourbon, <laughs> and then you know, it's just, it's so like in all of her, in all of her groups, she's like taking pictures and and uh, sipping, you know, sipping the you know whatever I bring home. And I think she, she really, I mean, she's on a tequila kick right now. So I've been busting into the old tequilas, but uh, she's she's. She thinks there needs to be more bourbon in the house because I keep too much in the office. That's mm. the real story. <laughs> I've never gotten that comment from my wife. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> well, Blake, you actually have a uh, an office that you also have for your storage and stuff like that too, don't you? I do. I do. That that was the goal was for her to get it all out of the house. And then she was like, well, you have these three shelves at the house. And, uh, you know, things, things happen. You get more bottles than you expect. And, uh, yeah. Hold on. Am I introducing myself now or am I going into my, <laughs> it's a good segue. You might as well just roll it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So once again, thanks for having me Blake from bourboner and seal box. And uh, yeah, my, my wife would uh, probably describe it as just ridiculous. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of that OCD coming out. You got to have every new bottle. You've got to get sample bottles. And then, you know, I would take a bunch to the office and then, you know, people come over to drink and, you don't want to disappoint them if they come over to your house and they've seen your Instagram post, you don't want them to show up and there be like just a, a bottle of like Jim Beam white label and Jack Daniels or something. So you got to have, have a spread and you, you know, I, I like to, uh, like to do a, a, a tasting if people come over and I never know what that tasting is going to be. So you got to have options. Um, and tastings well, are classy. Yeah. Tastings yeah. are classy. Yeah. Right. Does not always agree that we need as many bottles as we have, but you know, it's a fun thing to uh, to have fun with and enjoy and um, have around the house. Awesome, awesome. So, Nick, you're up next, buddy. Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, I can say my wife uh, probably is not watching this and probably won't watch this, but uh, see what she definitely say about the 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 bourbon hobby. It's which has become a lot more than a hobby at this point is it's uh, it takes up a lot of my time. You know, it's kind of the way I describe it to people sometimes is you've got kind of all those things in life. It's like you fill a jar with, with marble, so to speak. And that's, you know, work and the kids and, you know, everything you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then bourbon is kind of like, then it's the water that you pour into the jar and it kind of fills up the rest of the jar. So that's certainly where, where that's gotten, uh, you know, where that's gotten me. I think it's become ingrained um, in, you know, in the family and that kind of thing. I mean, I'll be honest, my, my nine-year-old, you know, when I put together, when we put together these bourbon quizzes, he beats the average of, nice. you know, what the population does in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of that. So he's picking up on stuff, but in a, in a, you know, in a respectful, you know, kind of way of, of respect for what it is and not, you know, not, um, you know, crazy drinking and that kind of thing. But, um, 
So anyways, this was the introductions too. So for those of you that don't know me, I am Nick from Breaking Bourbon, one of the three uh, co-founders of Breaking Bourbon. Uh, find us online, breakingbourbon.com and all the socials uh, at Breaking Bourbon. So it sounds like with the whole marble analogy, you should just have a t-shirt that says like bourbon, you complete me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. I have a tattoo right. actually, so that I, I yeah, that. yeah don't, don't show us that. Yeah, don't show us that. All right. Thanks again for having me, uh, Brian with Sippin' Corn. You can also find me at bourbonjustice.com and the socials, all that Sippin' Corn. And uh, my whole family, I think, kind of rolled their eyes a little bit at, at first. Um, and now I've got them to where my daughter, who's going to be a sophomore in college, is going to be in her business class, is going to be looking to cite Bourbon Justice when they get to uh, when they get their business. Uh, uh, they're doing business law class in the fall, assuming everything starts up. Um, my son was doing a law merit badge and, and he got into it a little bit and what really turned my wife was we were at a KDA event and we were uh, at, at is a maker's mark event, a crawfish boil thing that they did. And I was, it was very early on in it, in, in, in blogging. And I was there texting pictures as they were taking us home on the, on the bus. Mm-hmm. And these two guys in front of us said, Sipping corn's here somewhere. Sipping corn just tweeted. <laughs> anyone is, does anyone know who Sipping corn is? And she patted me on my knee and she leaned up to them. He's with me. So, <laughs> with, you know, with, with a little bit of notoriety, I guess yeah. it, uh, it's helped everyone and, and the book helped legitimize it. So it's, it's definitely evolved for me. I will say that that helped. I, I had one account too, it was actually in Epcot center and uh, we were just hanging out in the, the country's area uh, midday and somebody recognized me and, and came up and, you know, and my kids were like, dad, are you famous? How did they know? You know, <laughs> and, and my wife's like, no, no, he's no. not famous. <laughs> Don't tell him that. Never tell him that. <laughs> It, it it always kind of blows my mind a little bit when somebody does either recognize me in public or sees the Burn Pursuit t-shirt and they say something and uh, my wife just, yeah, yeah, she'll do the same thing. She'll either roll her eyes or just say like, don't get a big head. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. So I want to go ahead, uh, kick off the show tonight. Now, I do want to uh, uh, share something because tonight what we're doing is we are raising funds for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Uh, it's a civil rights law organization that's fighting for the racial justice through litigation, advocacy, and public education. And I know Fred just wanted to kind of say a, a few words about it. Um, and just to kind of let you all know, go to the website. Um, I'll make sure I put it in the chat. Anything that you do donate tonight, make sure you put it in the chat. Bourbon Pursuit will match the donations up to $1,000 tonight for everybody that does donate. So please go ahead and do that. We really appreciate it to help great, uh, raise money for this great cause. Yeah, and we are, we are in a time in our country where there's not a lot of things that you can say. And I believe in putting... Uh, money where your mouth is and in your effort. And in the last, uh, you know, since I've been in this industry, I've been pushing forward for diversity and trying to get people into positions and educate them and getting them at tells of the cocktail and panels and giving people a, a platform. And it's something that we all need to work on. 
we all need to stop and listen and we all need to improve diversity and i'm going to say it uh black lives matter and this is something that um the industry is in the middle of trying to correct you know its wrongs and the whole world is right now so please everybody take a moment and donate and we're going to match it yep all right with that let's go ahead and we will kick off the show and kind of get this thing rolling so let me get the screen back to normal here so tonight we're going to talk about a few different topics here and it's going to be kind of all over the place but one actually came from our patreon community i was kind of just asking like what's a what's a fun topic that we've never talked about before and there is one that was mentioned and i said you know this is actually pretty interesting because i think that we've all touched a lot of these or had a lot of these bourbons but it's so specific that you don't really think about it too much and so i'm going to kind of throw it out to you all and let's see if we can choose one uh, or if you can choose two, whatever it is. But what do you feel is the best 10-year age-dated bourbon that is currently on the market? And if you can, non-allocated. Mm. I mean, are we, ta- are we giving our answers from 2016 or are we giving our answers from today? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's no, a 2013. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's... it's um. For me, it's it's hard to say because you know you you throw things out like Eagle Rare, um, you know even Michter's Ten Year didn't used to be as hard as it is to find today. I, I think as far as like a limited release goes, that's somewhat able to you're able to find is um, Michter's Ten Year. I'm, I'm every time people are like oh it's sourced and then all of a sudden you throw it in some blind tastings and it's like wow this stuff's fantastic. And then as far as like everyday things, yeah, Russell's Ten Year. And then um, what's the Rebel Yell 10-year? But I don't think they've done another release of that recently. Um, you're so just going to name one out right now. Yeah, yeah. So if I, you're Blake's making me covering all the bases. All right, I'm going, all the <laughs> I go first so that nobody else has any good answers. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm, I'm going Russell's Reserve 10-year because it's, it's available. It's fairly priced. It's 10 years old, and it's delicious. I'll I'll jump in too. I I think the best and the worst tenure I've had is Henry McKenna. I mean, I've had some, and <laughs> I guess point, that goes with, yeah. with the category of, of single barrel. I mean, I've had some. It was, it was the first time I had ever gotten it, and it was it was just a hot hot mess. And then I've had some that have just been absolutely just fantastic. Just couldn't be better. I wouldn't think. Um, so you're to me, you're you're a little bit of a crapshoot on that, but. It's still somewhat available, despite what Fred said about it a couple of years ago. Um, so I think you can still find it. <laughs> yeah, Fred yeah, did I'll- kind of screw a lot of people out of that, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fred, on, my, I guess- on my tombstone, it's going to be, say, the slayer of Henry McKidd availability. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I've gotten at a liquor store one time was, I went in, I grabbed a bottle of Henry McKinney, goes, huh, you know that guy from the internet like talks great about it, and all of a sudden you can't find it. I'm like... The funny thing is, I know who that guy from the internet is. <laughs> yep. He's my internet, You're my buddy. internet friend, Blake. <laughs> internet friends. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Fred, are you still getting hate mail over Henry McKenna nowadays? Or is it still coming? Um, it's softened up quite a bit. 
especially, you know, because this is what I always try to tell people. Yes, it was my house bourbon. Absolutely true. I think that's where I screwed myself. <laughs> was that I publicly stated before that competition that it was my house bourbon. And and then it won. And everyone's like, well, see. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm one judge. And then it won again. And I was like, I got blamed again. And right. again, I'm just like one judge. Uh, but then I had it in some of my blind tastings that I do on YouTube. And it got the shit kicked out of it as well as our as well as our uh, bottled and bond tasting. But then people who just really want to hate me just say, well, he knew anyway. And he just was just saying that. I'm like, OK, yeah, haters going to hate. But mm -hmm. I still like McKenna. <laughs> yeah, I got to jump in there and I got to agree with I got to agree with uh, Brian on that, too. And, and, and you, too, Fred, um, you know, the the Parker's Heritage Promise of Hope, which is more or less McKenna. You know, it's it's a little lower in proof, but, you know, same age, the honey barrels. That was probably the bourbon that the only bourbon that I've ever had that immediately tasted. And so this is just an incredible bourbon. I want to buy as much of it, find as much of it as I can. And I kind of got that from some Henry McKenna barrels over time. Um, and so kind of chase that, but then you find there is that range just being single barrel, um, that you're not always getting that consistency, uh, that, that you want from it. And, uh, you know, so not to, not to keep harping on Henry McKenna, but actually I will say that Eagle rare, uh, uh tenure, I personally, I don't, tend to love eagle rares um when i when i tend to have them against other things I, it's just it's just not you know not my favorite bourbon um everything about it screams you know that it should be good it should be up there uh but you know against russell's reserve tenure i like you know i like russell's reserve better um whatever it is about eagle rare it's just not doesn't fit my taste profile typically um so i find that that's one that i think people chase a little bit too heavily and uh, the reality of it is, is it, you know, these other ten years that are easier to find, they're, they're just as good. They just, they're just different. You know, you're gonna like one or not like another one. I think it's just gonna come down to personal preference. Nick, do you think yeah. it's a an issue about proof? I mean, at, at a ninety proof on an Eagle Rare, do you think it's may, maybe why it doesn't do it for you anymore? Not necessarily. You know, I just, in fact, when I reviewed Russell's Reserve ten year um, not long ago, I had it against a couple uh, bottles of eagle rare that i had and i was surprised i just um you know something about the flavor profile you know sometimes woodford reserve gives me a flavor profile that just throws me off a little bit i personally get that with eagle rare sometimes um it varies a little bit by the barrel but you know i guess it's one that i guess is maybe more overhyped than i feel like it should be and the reality is i just i, I feel like i like the other 10 year olds that i tend to find better Rebel Yell 10 was another great example. Fantastic 10-year-old. Yep. Wish I had bought more of that when it was just sitting around for that like brief time that it was. Um, but uh, you know, definitely, you know, definitely some choices out there. And I think Russell's Reserve 10-year, for those who can't find McKenna, that's all over the place. At oh, Russell's what, Reserve 10-year. 30 bucks, yeah. 35 bucks. I mean, yeah. you can't go wrong with that. It's a fantastic option. You know, you know who would own this conversation if they would just kind of get off their uh you know, batching to taste kind of like mantra is Maker's Mark. Oh, Maker's Mark barrels at, are like eight to 12 years old. Holy crap, are amazing. They just don't put them out. I was about to say, usually I thought most of the Baker's standard offerings are around like a six to eight year mark. Is it usually around there? 
Yeah, it's getting younger. Uh, but I mean, I would say I'd say it's more like four to six. But they do they they used to keep those uh, barrels around, so they could do their um, aged. Uh, you know, say it's overaged. <laughs> and I'll never forget we had Bill Samuels at the Derby Museum for for a session, and and he was like trying to tell everybody that Maker's Mark was bottled perfectly, and so he he put out a bunch of twelve year old Maker's Mark, and uh, people were like. Backfire, oh backfire. <laughs> pure <laughs> butter. And I was like, who likes Maker's Mark more? And they all raised their hand. It was so good. But I remember that, Fred. I remember you talking about that too. I've seen that happen on the tasting where they're like, you know, this is white dog Maker's Mark. This is overaged Maker's over Mark. Yep. It, or over oak. And I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, why, why are we not drinking this? <laughs> I mean, that that the whiskey coming out of that distillery, if we had the opportunity to like crack into some of those barrels, uh, I love the stay program they do. I think it's really cool. But I'm like, give me, give me one of those over oak barrels that you have. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, they should add them for something. something. Add that part I mean, of the program. Got... We're all we're That's all in on it. The hard part is, yeah. you know, they've been preaching that six to eight year range and you know rotating barrels. It's hard to come back and oh say, say like oh by the way, um, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it's got to be such a small number though, you know, to have an yeah. actual program around it. I mean, yeah. it's here and there. You know, they come across them. You know, randomly. It's not like they're sitting on three hundred barrels that they're ready to say these are good on their own or different enough on their own. Right. Yeah, Love to have awesome it at the Rick house and just figure it out though. <laughs> Brian so, and I would be marching right over there. So right there. Hey, yeah. Bill tomorrow barrel. <laughs> so on that, that Eagle rare Mark, I kind of want to go back to that one a little bit because we know that Eagle rare 17 has actually changed in the past few years and gone to 101 proof and kind of going back to its original proofing, which was 101. Do you think that would be a game changer for a lot of people like Nick, who maybe you've written it off a little bit to say, let's let's go ahead and and up it to 101 proof back to its original proofing state here? You know, I, it, it's funny you say that. And because now that you said that's that's a good point. I got to tell you, I I personally have some older, lower proof Eagle Rare um, 17 years that I, I like better than the newer, higher proof stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you already have the barrel proof, you know high proof stuff with antique collection. Um, I think it was, uh, we were in, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, a number of years ago and we did a flight of BTAC and they were from all different years. And, um, I guess the bartender, it was his collection that he had brought in and basically sold to the bar. But, um, so this guy pours, uh, two ounce pours of each of them for starters, oh. which we didn't realize that $18 a pour, that's what it was going to be. But, uh, whatever the year of Eagle rare was, and it was an older one, it was just outstanding. And, and that night that one, you know, stood above the whole rest of the antique collection that we had. And that again, kind of like chasing that, that taste of what Eagle rare kind of can be. I haven't gotten that with the higher proof stuff. I mean, I think probably by and large higher proof is going to be, better than the lower proof probably a little bit easier just to amp it up to flavor you know there but i think when you get that magic sometimes that magic can happen at a lower proof too and that's what i think eagle rare is kind of known for at least how i've kind of remembered it yeah i mean think about like you know weller seems to be the the brand that they're going after now but think about if they came out with a 10-year 101 proof squat bottle eagle rare that would just <laughs> hysteria. I, I mean, it, ideas. They got it, it, it really would be, you, you know, and um, it seems like they're getting to a point where they have 
a, a good stock of Eagle Rare. So I don't know. Why wouldn't you do it? You know, let's see. They're increasing it by 11 proof. So they're losing about, I don't know, what's that, 10%? Oh, yeah. They, they could easily charge 75 bucks for that bottle and it'd fly off the shelf. So easily. Yeah. I mean, I I would probably try it for seventy five bucks. I'd be a buyer to oh, see yeah. if it to see yeah, if it sure. lives up to it. I mean, for sure. And they're pretty good about keeping close to SRP. So uh, I'll throw two two more out there that were actually on this list that from Distiller.com. Uh, one that didn't get mentioned was Bullet Ten Year. So yeah, but that was only a one time release, right? You, you know, and it was decent. Was it roses? Was it a one time release? I I thought Bullet oh, yeah. Ten Year was like a standard thing. I haven't seen yeah, Bullet Ten Year in a while. I thought just released and they had a bunch of it and that was it. Well, that's happening in Jacksonville here in Kentucky. We're seeing on hordes of it. Yeah. I, I mean, do you still see Bullet Ten Year on the shelf? Oh, yeah, I got Costco's got a while right now. Really? Honestly, yeah. I haven't looked for it in a while. I have a bottle in my basement. I should probably just go get it for, it, for night's yeah. sake, but and maybe I'm just mistaken because I just assumed that they released it. We talked about it and it's done, but maybe it is ongoing <laughs> release. <laughs> I just yeah, don't I mean, it's, it's not. Uh, I don't. Heavily. I don't. I don't know how many bottles they have or anything. Yeah. I mean, uh, Bullet's not a brand I keep a close eye on, but uh, I do see it regularly. Hmm. By yeah. the way, their Blender Select is really good. I mean, I, I'd be that's that stuff's you know Ebony Major. She's she's talented. She's a talented uh, rising star for sure. Great Blender. Hmm. Yep. So we mentioned Rebel Yell. That was another one, uh, which I remember the first batch of Rebel Yell, and I thought it was a little smoky for my taste. I, I, I recall not caring for it too much, but yeah, each their own. Uh, there's another one that came on the list. It was uh, something that had been released relatively recently, which is Basil Hayden's 10-year bourbon oh, as well. So However, I never tried it. Proof on that. I'm trying to remember the proof on that 10-year so, so I'm drinking the Basil Damn. Hayden. I, I didn't like the Basil Hayden ten year bourbon. I'm drinking the Basil Hayden ten year rye tonight, uh, which is eighty proof, um, and it's actually really good. Uh, you know, I think the art of the lower proof whiskey that is still, you know, you can you can drink it. You taste a lot. Uh, I think that's kind of missing. I wouldn't pin this as like a spicy rye. Um, I mean, the the nose is pure beam, and it's it's pretty uh you know that that charred charred taste but it, it's good so yeah and with that, so, is that like a 79 dollar bottle is that what i saw it this weekend good question. Passed. It was, it's something like that i think that's yeah, probably about what you would right. see it for brian it, yeah. it's a little yeah. all over the place too because i think with that age statement is a little bit rare so you'll see it for sometimes i think a lot more than that everyone's yeah, calling basil hayden diet bourbon diet <laughs> ogd I, I like that one <laughs> So I think, I think Basil Hayden is like the the icky woods of of uh, of bourbon because like gives you like a great you know great couple of minutes you know like icky's career great couple of years and then you know it, it it just doesn't last like you get started with Basil Hayden it's a nice starter bur bourbon but after that you get into other stuff and like you're like meh. Well, Bourbon Lens has a good comment here. It's his breakfast bourbon. And and the last time I had Basil Hayden's was my brother-in-law's uh, bachelor party where we went on distillery tours. And so we started at when the bus picked us up at nine. And that's what I broke open at nine is got, you got to start with 80 proof at 9 a.m. And it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. 
Let's be honest. We've all been having a little bit of breakfast bourbon lately, too. (laughs) (laughs) Guilty as charged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Brian, you brought up a good point about like when you're getting ready to go like a whole day of uh, distillery tours or something like that. I was I I had fortunate to be able to do that uh, with somebody else where we were going to Maker's Mark. Anybody knows that you go to do a Maker's Mark private selection. It's an all day affair. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about Maker's Mark, it's one of the very few ones in the industry where they will pick you up in a shuttle from wherever you're at, whether you're in Lexington or Louisville, and then drive you all the way to Loretto, do your thing and drive you back. But on that drive, uh, we had busted open some 1970s Dusties and, you know, at 86 proof, that's a perfect way to start the day when it's just like butterscotch. Mm-hmm. Those older low proof bourbons too are just packed with flavor a lot of times. That is so true. Yeah, that is absolutely. so true. Yeah. Those, uh, national distiller brands from um, you know the seventies. Oh, so good. Yep. Yeah, eighty six proof. That's right. Mm. I, don't know how they, I don't know how they do it, but they get a lot of flavor in there. It's mm-hmm. all about those special warehouses. You know, the proof would go down on those warehouses. You know, and uh, it's, it was magic in there. And then they beam bottom and didn't use them. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> they're loss. All right. So let's go ahead uh, while we're still on the, the beam idea here. So one thing that we had talked about in the last round table was the age statements coming back to Knob Creek. Now, one thing that's kind of uh, it's three weeks later, as, as what this round tables are recording. Uh, we've now seen the 15 year Knob Creek finally start making its way out to market and it's being priced somewhere around a hundred dollars, hundred fifteen, hundred twenty-five, wherever it is. Now, this kind of begs the question: um, What happened to all those Knob Creek fourteen-year picks that we started seeing for like forty-five dollars, like six or eight months ago? And is this the complete downfall that we will ever see these again in the private barrel selection program? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a classic case of we can't have anything nice in the uh, in the bourbon world. <laughs> destroy, destroy everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, every, something gets popular, they they mark the price up, and you know, all these, uh, you know, we've all had the articles, we've all done them, we've all read them. It's like, oh, ten bourbons you should know about that are that are bargains or whatever it is, and next thing you know. Price goes up. So um, I, I think we'll see a lot less of that, but I'm still convinced that Beam's just sitting on a ton of barrels and product. And so I think you'll start to see them trickle out more as well. Um, you know, I, I assume they'll reward good accounts and everything with, a, hey, we got you a 15-year barrel pick. So we'll probably still see that here and there. But uh, overall, you know, they, they realize, wow, there's a market for this. So let's roll out the Knob Creek 15 year, which I'm a fan of because it makes it more, you know, you don't have to just find that one store that has 200 bottles of it or well, not that one, but 150 bottles of it. You just need to go to any store that is a uh, decent beam account and they'll have the Knob Creek 15 year. And that's still a pretty good price. When you look at the overall market, what, what is it? It's 80 or 90 bucks is the hadn't hit Florida yet that I've seen. Um, I think I've seen some over a hundred. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. hundred bucks for a fifteen-year bourbon. Right. A, I mean, that's that's the going a, price. A good for price. Fifteen-year-old um, bourbon. I do. Yeah. I do have a little bit of uh, hope for you all out there who think that this is going to go the way of the dodo bird. There's something about Knob Creek that just doesn't move with the with the normal populace. You know, it's kind of like a I don't know what it is. 
But I mean, Knob Creek, the regular Knob Creek won best bourbon at San Francisco. You know, I think it was 2015 had no effect on it at all. Hardly in it at all. Hmm. Like di hmm. didn't move the needle. And uh, that brand, it just, it just, it doesn't move. I don't know if it's the bottle. I don't know if it's the name. I don't know, but it is, it is a, those picks were cherished bourbon geek favorites. And I don't think they're going to go away. I really don't because hmm. beam is a, is a quarterly kind of company. And th this is their, this, this is their, their moment of the quarter, you know, in two quarters from now, you know, they may reduce the price and put a new age statement on bookers who the hell knows, but they, I, I don't, I don't see the $45 store picks going away. I think we'll still see store picks in that good, in that good age range. And then to that point, Fred, I mean, let's not forget about Knob Creek 2001. I was just looking that up to remember. And actually I, I still think I can pick up 2001 in my area at yeah, yeah, less right? than MSRP, frankly. Um, and that was what, three, four years ago now, that was a 14 year old, um, mm -hmm. what three batches, $130 MSRP. I want to say there was, there was, I thought I heard when that there might've been a fourth or fifth batch that kind of no one really talked about, but anyways, an older knob Creek, lower proof though, was that one was that they did that at the hundred proof. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I don't think they, I don't think they hit it with that one. Cause you compared it to the single barrel at 120 and your single barrel off the shelf for 40 bucks was better. Um, then again now, and I'm actually, cause I knew we were talking about this, uh, getting sipping the knob Creek 12 year. And I gotta say, this is absolutely fantastic. This is a hundred proof as well. And they got the blending right with this one. It's, it's a fantastic bourbon at a, at I think a, a really fair price. Um, it's reasonably accessible. You know, is the 15 year just going to be that much more expensive? Are they going to get the blend right? You know, I don't think they really quite got it right with 2001. Um, you know, so they're kind of competing with themselves in a way when you put out a incredibly good single barrel at a really low price. And then that's the thing you have to fight against. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to do a limited release. It's not really, doesn't come across that, you know, that, that special, so to speak. So it's a, it's an interesting conundrum that they're in. And that's, I think we talked about it on our previous round table of, you know, was putting out all these really high age single barrels, a way to just get people excited, like give it to them then take it away and then insert this other stuff. Or are they just kind of throwing stuff everywhere because they got a decent amount of supply in stock and, you know what, they're still making money anyway. So yeah, they've got practically <laughs> limitless stock, but my, my concern when I saw the 15 is that the private selections, all these 13s and 14s are going to go way up mm. and, you know, you're not going to find them at $45 anymore. Uh, when barrel we'll selections see. start back up. So yeah, we'll fingers crossed for it. Um, but that was, that was my concern. It, it, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. So that being the Knob Creek, even the 12 and I believe the 15 year, they're 100 proof, whereas the private selections and standard Knob Creek, aren't they like 120 proof, something like that? 120. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that's an interesting move by them. I mean, mm -hmm. is it, uh, do you really think it's, it's proof down to a, a really good point? Because I always thought like the Knob Creek brand was, was more about getting that, that corner of like almost a barrel proof kind of expression at a pretty low price. I don't know. I would almost say a hundred proof is probably more where I peg 
their brand. And frankly, I think the majority are going to go for the hunter proof. You know, I'm not sure this is necessarily geared towards the bourbon geek per se. Um, I, I think a lot of people are going to have 120 proof that don't, you know, don't drink bourbon as often and they're not going to like it. You know, I've, I've given, you know, I've given some of the higher proof barrel proofs to people I thought were ready and they, you know, <laughs> they're grabbing handfuls of ice and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, they don't like it. You know, they, they are liking the 90 proof. They're like in the hundred proof. It's a good range for them. I, I think there's more mass appeal in this proof. And I think that's what Knob Creek's going for. I don't know that they're trying to talk to necessarily all the whiskey geeks with this one. I think they're trying to talk to everybody. And I think John Henderson also mentioned in the chat that it's, uh, it's probably one of the worst waxes to ever try to get your, your hands through because <laughs> I, it, it does, it takes yeah. you like a solid minute and a half to get that bottle open. I don't know what they're doing with their wax over there, but they've they've got to go back to the drawing board on that one. Makers has the recipe. They ought to share a little bit of that. <laughs> they, 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 they share nothing. They're, they're a same parent company. That's what I'm saying. They they know they know who to talk to. You need yeah. easy wax and talk to makers. I mean, in when when I was in Portugal, like studying like closures on um, on bottles, you know, you learn to like what everyone tries to do, and that little that little bit of spot is like the, it is such a, there's so many meetings and discussions that go into it. And what the seemingly like the, the, the best, the best like uh, closure for the money, what I learned for, in terms of its efficacy, as well as its look is the 1792 one. Uh, it's got mm -hmm. that, easy easy one to pull off the mm -hmm. the plastic is on there real nicely and the cork just kind of you know smooths on out whereas like those synthetic corks kind of well up inside there a little harder to pull out sometimes which knob creek is a synthetic cork mm -hmm. you're not a big fan of synthetic corks are you fred no i don't like synthetic corks <laughs> I, i've you know i've i I'm sensitive to plastics. I, I can taste plastics and stuff. It's like putting water, leaving water in a bottle overnight. And maybe this is because I, I had so much canteen water when I was in Iraq and the it just tasted awful. And I just like it, anytime I taste like uh, that, that, you know, plastic note, it just turns me off. And I have tasted it before in, in, the, in bourbons, but it's not prominent. Uh, but you know, microplastics, you know, they're saying it leaches out in water bottles. Who's to say it's not going to leach out in a synthetic cork over years. Well, I guess it's just a more reason to drink your bourbon earlier. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for drinking. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on to the next thing, I want to just do another reminder for everybody that we are doing a fundraiser tonight for the NCAA or sorry, NCAA, NAA CP. <laughs> Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Um, and so if you can, go to NAACPLDF.org, make your donation. We will be matching up to $1,000 in tonight's podcast for doing that. Make sure you put it in the comments. Thank you to everybody that has donated so far. So moving on uh, to the next subject. You now, the one thing that we all kind of have coming up, especially for all of us, we're all, we're all fathers here, is the idea that Father's Day is just a few weeks around the corner. Now, I know... I'm like many of you, and I think a few years ago I said, "All right, no more rocks like those little like actual like frozen rocks you get in the fridge and you like get to throw them in a throw them in a thing." And I was just like, "Okay, like none of that, like no other kind of like quirky little gifts." Um, I'm almost to the point now. It's like you don't even have to buy me bourbon anymore. Like it's it's okay. 
but let's let's kind of think of like if what's a good gift for the bourbon lover that isn't going to be just so uh i guess obvious if you're anything like me then you can't get enough about bourbon and that's why i'm a subscriber to bourbon plus magazine bourbon plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon the farmers who grow the grain the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bourbon. What's a good gift for the bourbon lover that isn't going to be just so, uh, I guess, obvious? So anybody have any ideas of stuff that you could throw out other than like a seal box gift card? I mean, seal box gift card is probably number one. But if we, <laughs> I was going to say is a, a day alone. Um, also, that's probably off the table as well. I was going to say that uh, too, Blake. What does that mean? What is that? Yeah, no, going to Vegas? What? My, no, alone? my, my what? favorite quote was always, uh, you know, on Mother's Day, uh, mothers want to spend time with their with their children, their their husband, spouse, whatever. And dad's just like one a day off and uh, not have to change a diaper. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think, you know, a, a good bottle is always a good, a, a good option. Um, I, I don't know. Or, or, throw some, how, throw some ideas out. Cause this is, yeah, this is what we always get. Yeah, okay. well, this is what I'm saying. Even if it's the bottle, like throw some ideas out because these are the things that we always get. And whether it's like, Hey, I got to get my boss a bottle or I got to get whatever bottle. And I'm like, Oh God. Like, and then I just, I sit there and I'll go and I'll look at my shelves and scan for something that's available. Or I'll just like pull up a website and be like, here, go, go get this. That's so, the hard part is finding what's available in, in the area. Go on their Instagram, see what they've liked and Maybe that's a bad uh, I'm idea. Going there, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a store pick, um, like we just talked about, the Knob Creek store picks. That's those are great bottles. The the twelve year, the fifteen year. Um, you know, I think something like that's really nice. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of into barware right now. So get them get them something cool like that for the you know a strainer or a shaker. Um, I think those things ca- can be a lot of fun to play around with as well. What, what what's your favorite piece of barware right now? 
God, I'm gonna mess the name up. Because um, Four Roses so, just recently sent out for a lot of people's I mean, birthdays the, uh, the 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 big long spoon. Which yeah, so, so movers and shakers, uh, check them out. Give uh, them a little bit of a promotion. Somebody said uh, Bourbon Plus prescri- or uh, subscription. That'd be great. But movers and shakers, they have a bunch of cool barware. So they're strainers. Um, I've actually. I've never used a strainer. I've always used like the, the just try to block it with my hand method and realize like a strainer comes in really handy. So strainers um, work. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny, you know, <laughs> they, they make these tools for a reason. So, you know, I feel like I'm real professional when I'm like shaking it and uh, um, then I can strain it out with a cool strainer. So, yeah. Yeah. And this is also, like I said, this is another great time for gifts that are, you know, they're usually like either one-time things or, you know, even like a great subscription of Bourbon Plus is good. Uh, but shout out to Chris Walters on here, the, mm-hmm. the nosing kit. I mean, that's something that yeah. I know that uh, he's a small business owner and he builds these nosing kits. Uh, and I see him all the time through various forms and he actually hands makes every single one of them. Uh, so shout out to him for for doing all that because there uh, does a knockout job with it and you can pull out the honey and vanilla and all that sort of stuff and really start training your nose to be more like Fred Minnick. <laughs> but it, it is true. And like, you know, I think those nosing kits are huge, especially if you're just getting into it. And, you know, I used to tell people, okay, go to your pantry, pull out the, the vanilla, pull out the cinnamon, pull out, you know, but that makes it so much easier. So um, yeah, definitely try one of those out. Don't breathe. Absolutely. Don't, don't inhale too much on that cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then that was too deep. Yeah, exactly. Personal experience. Yeah, yeah, I actually done that. I so, had yeah. a bad experience. Yeah. So thanks to Matt Cusack. Uh, I gotta say, Bourbon Justice. Uh, that'd be a great gift for anyone that doesn't have it. But but really, what I'm I'm thinking, I, I love the the nosing kit idea. Um, barware. You know, once you have it, it's kind of like the rocks. You end up getting too much of it, so it's kind of mm-hmm. risky. You got to know what what uh, whoever you're shopping for already has. But if, if you want a bottle for presentation and this kind of Kenny goes to your point, you got people asking you, what do I get for my boss? What do I get for, you know, those sorts of things. If you want the presentation this week, I'm going to wilderness trail, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day they've got their six year release. And when they do their special releases, it's in this box and it has two, uh, two glasses with it. That's the kind of presentation. I mean, that that's, you know, don't, I love Elijah Craig, but don't, you know, just go get a bottle of Elijah Craig, you know, go for something with a box. Um, if you're going to do a, if you're going to do a bottle of bourbon for a gift. It's got to come with a sweet box, huh? Got to, got to have the sweet box <laughs> or hell go still. You can still find that uh, wild Turkey diamond for me. That's in a box. I'll there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to say you, I th- you know, I think you want to avoid that stuff that is going to be preferential to how somebody wants to drink you know, like the, the stones and the different things like that, that somebody may not want or use at all, you know, or the things that somebody may have already, and then it becomes useless. I mean, I think unless you know the person, um, you're, you're really pretty safe with the bottle. Um, I can't say that anybody's ever really been like, Oh no, another, another bottle of bourbon, you know, it's, you, you know, there's somebody's going to enjoy it at some point and trying to make it, you know, somewhat special. And that's where the special packaging or, you know, single barrel picks are definitely not going to have or something like that comes in handy. I think books is a good option too. I mean, I think, um, 
you know, you, unless, unless you, you know, they already have it, you know, you, you can toss in a book with a bottle, you know, worst case they have it. All right. Well, that 15 bucks for the book, you know, let them give it to another bourbon friend and kind of rope them into, into the hobby a little bit, you know, they'd probably thank them. Thank you for it in that regard, you know, so you can't go wrong there. Um, but yeah, I gotta say when like the, uh, the aging sticks came out, those were, those were like everybody was getting those, you know, you, you know, the, the aging sticks that you would put in the bottle, you know, as a type of thing, suddenly you're getting three, four five packs of them um, from people that think that's what you want, you know, type of thing. So you, you want to avoid that kind of stuff that, you know, was really uh, not, you know, very specific to somebody's interests. Yeah. You know, uh, outside of the obvious, um, you know, uh, bourbons, I, uh, I'm really into like leather books, like leather bound books for like writing, writing notes and, and what have you. And, and like, I, I have several of these and I've had them throughout my career. Um, but if you're someone who likes holding and you like kind of, you know, writing, you know, actually physically writing your notes can help you develop your palate more. Uh, it, there's just more of a, just a natural kind of human, uh, connection when you're physically writing something versus typing. And like, if you're really looking the, the nosing kits are a great, great suggestion. If you're looking to like add something, uh, to the, to the nosing kit, I would suggest a really nice leather book that you can do your tasting notes in this. And this right here is one of my babies. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of stuff, people that have mentioned, uh, books and stuff like that. You know, I'll throw out one that might be kind of random, and that's like a whole bourbon barrel. So if you've got somebody that's, uh, you know, it's an aggressive like, father's yeah, day. That's, <laughs> not, full, not full, okay. but empty. Okay. Okay. So an empty <laughs> bourbon barrel because <laughs> an empty bourbon barrel, I mean, if, if somebody has, you know, a little bit of free time, knows uh, just a little bit amount of woodworking, they can find themselves a project that'll keep them busy for the next three to four months. And if, guess Easily. what? Worst case scenario, <laughs> it just goes to shit. It they become smoking chips. So it, and it's, it's you're the a perfect, Weber grill. Yeah, yeah, it's the perfect exactly. gift. It really is. That's a great idea, Kenny. Actually, that's what that was a previous Father's Day gift um, from my wife to me, and now and see over here. But now it is the backdrop. It's actually two barrels. I ended up buying another one, but it's yeah. it is the backdrop to uh, the bar area here and it was definitely a project but um you know a little trick to it too after they've had a couple uses so like the wineries that are going to age um you know wine in them after they've been bourbon barrels they they lose a lot of their value so i mean i think we you I, the one i bought was basically shipping plus a little bit more it was pretty inexpensive um because it didn't have any more use as uh something to age anything in so just to hand look in like california look in other states outside of kentucky you might find some good deals out there especially if uh yeah, yeah. yeah the other part is like especially if like uh, you got a dad out there that's a home brewer you give him a barrel and be like hey just fill that thing up with beer man we'll get we'll come visit again in three to six <laughs> months and see how see how it tastes so there's a, yeah. I'll tell you what, the, the ideas with bourbon barrels, I could I could just keep going. We could do a whole podcast just on that. Hey, we're looking for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming in. Actually, if you want to just pay shipping, I think we have like four or five empty barrels uh, from seal box picks. So just uh, <laughs> let me know. You'll save us on storage space. <laughs> First five people hey, to buy a hundred dollars. What's our ad rate yeah. at this point in the show? I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're we just all went, kind of leaning into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. So it was my talent fee. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a barrel, just pay shipping from seal box. And, uh, or yeah. if you just live in the DC area, just give him a little yeah, ring. Maybe he's got something. Be there it, Monday. It comes, it comes with every hundred dollar <laughs> seal box gift card purchase. <laughs> so how it works. All right, so we're coming up on uh, the last piece here of the hour. Um, again, I want to just take uh, one more reminder, just to let everybody know the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund is what we are raising funds for tonight. So please go put your donations in the chat. We'll be matching up to $1,000 in this. And we're getting ready to close it out. But I want to kind of close out uh, this on, you know, kind of a, maybe not more of a serial, maybe a little, maybe a little uh, jokingly if you want. But, you know, everybody here talking tonight, you know, we all got into this bourbon hobby at different times and we've learned a lot along the way as well. So other than the obvious of saying like going back and buying up every rare bourbon that you see on the shelves, if you could go back to the beginning, would you do something differently getting into this bourbon hobby? I'll start at sooner. And that's it. I mean, I, I think almost no matter how you do it, there's not really a wrong way to do it. Um, you know, certainly this hobby for me started with, so the other two guys that do break and bourbon, Jordan Eric, I knew since we were, you know, kids, second grade, um, grew up on the same street as Jordan. Uh, Eric went to the same elementary school and, uh, we all kind of went our separate ways, but Jordan lived in Kentucky, uh, for a while when he was, um, you know, after school. And that's what kind of got us interested in it. And, you know, we kind of kept going back to the bourbon thing and that got us talking more. And then that's how the site ended up starting. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, had it not been for bourbon, I wouldn't be here talking with you guys. Yeah, I wouldn't have this, you know, this hobby, this interest in this thing that, you know, definitely, you know, uh, keeps me going, you know, sometimes when, you know, when, when you got the, you know, just a lot going on and, and, you know, you're, you, I'm a dad, I got businesses that run, I mean, all these different things, you know, it's like, it's nice it's a release. It's, you know, it's great talking with people, meeting people, you know, going to Kentucky and, and meeting people. Um, so I'd say just do it sooner and, and dive right into it. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Those are, those are good points. Um, I, I would, I'd meet the old timers and soak it in. Um, Fred did a interview of Ed foot probably what, four years ago, five years ago, maybe at the Derby series. Um, yeah, 2014, so six yeah, years ago. Six years ago, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you, you, you meet him, and he doesn't even realize he's a legend. And all the things that he has, all the knowledge he has, I wish I would have started soaking up earlier. And, and I know, um, you know, there's just so many people I could have met if I would have started earlier. And I, I'm thankful for the people who I have met. I mean, folks like Jim Rutledge have taught me more about bourbon than I ever would have hoped to know, but there's so many more people out there. And that's what I would have started doing earlier is, is meeting the old timers and just soaking it in. Blake, awesome. Fred, you remembered that. anything? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, I think, um, obviously the, the, the one would be what we purchased, but that that's kind of a small part of it. And if you look at the community aspect, that's, that's probably the more important thing of this whole thing is, uh, you know, just the people you've met, the the amount of knowledge you, of talking with different people and um, really just diving in, diving in there. You know, I think um, obviously we can't really meet together uh, physically now, but going to more meetups for 
different things like even in Kentucky or locally, whether it's, um, you know, a local group or like a big event or, you know, a whiskey live, something like that. So I think those would be the things I probably would have attended, um, you know, in, instead of it just being like the online silo, because I mean, whenever I got into bourbon there, there wasn't a local community for it. So online was my only option, but I do kind of wish I would have gone to more events, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's never too late to get involved with these things. And I think the community is stronger than ever. So there's, there's way more options and you, you meet great people. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's probably mine just uh, with events and that kind of thing. Well, I'll say like having uh, kind of stepped in, late 2005, 2006, um, you know, every one of you all have made a, an impact on me personally, and you all have been an incredible attribute. And, um, you know, you've, you all have each changed bourbon in, in your own way. And, um, I'll never forget, you know, reading, uh, you know, seeing, you know, Blake's like poor man's pappy and, and just seeing him kind of, you know, tackle, tackle everything. Um, you know, Kenny, the first time you all interviewed me and asked me what the hell marzipan was, um, <laughs> you know, Nick to y'all just thorough, excellent reviews. And, you know, Brian, I don't know how many bourbons we've had over some things, but, you know, just it's been it's such a joy for me to see. You know, because I was, I was the new, you know, I was the new guy coming in and there was like, you know, there were maybe five to 10 whiskey writers in the world who were trying to do it full time when I was coming in. There was not a lot and they were mostly scotch oriented. So I looked up to like, you know, Chuck Cowdery and on a historic and, and also Mike Beach, um, you know, and I looked up to those guys. And I tried to follow in their footsteps with some of like the historical stuff while also, you know, trying to train my palate and do, do tastings. Um, but there's inevitably some regrets and things you wish you'd done differently and things you would have done more. And I wish I spent more time with Parker beam and Parker was someone I actually did spend a good deal amount of time with to include his time when he was suffering from ALS. But, he was just someone I really clicked with and I, I miss him. And I also never had the chance to spend any time with Elmer, Elmer T. Lee. Um, but, um, you know, so I think those would be the two things that I would, um, I would take back if I could, but I'll say I'm more encouraged by the talent coming into this world. I know that there is, um, there's, there's, it, everybody can go out there and do their tasting notes, but I see a lot of talent here and it makes me very excited about the future of our bourbon community. I knew, I knew there was to be some heartstrings to be pulled on this one. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of round it out here. You know, I'm, I am thankful that we've, I've at least been able to get in this early enough that, you know, we've been able to interview people like Jimmy Russell and be able to capture some of the stories that, you know, a lot of these old timers are around and, you know, might not be there much longer. Uh, hopefully we have more years to be able to capture more stories, but, you know, it's just one of those things that I wish we would have gotten in a little bit sooner to be able to, you know, again, capture some more stories of the people that have, uh, you know, gone ahead of us. And for me personally, I, uh, I wish I would have found a Sherpa 
of bourbon a lot sooner. <laughs> I, I, I think I was drinking the same exact bourbon for like six years straight. And it, between like Kentucky Tavern, Very Old Barton and Four Rows of Small Batch, like I didn't really like vary out of like those three for like six to eight years. And there is like this whole window of stuff that like I completely missed. And it's because I just didn't really have anybody to kind of, well, A, I was like the only one who was like really into bourbon, but I didn't really have a network of people or anything like that. And I always find it interesting when we were able to go on, you know, the bourbon or forum or any of the Facebook groups and people were all like, Hey, I just started getting into bourbon like three months ago. How's my collection? And it's like 200 bottles. I'm just like, Holy smokes. <laughs> like how do people like just like latch onto something and go like so far in that they find like all the great Facebook groups and just like go, go deep. So I, I wish I would have been able to do that uh, a long time ago, but again, glad that I'm here now and, and be able to, uh, be a part of this with all you too. Yeah. So, indeed. Perfect. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, get a few, uh, you know, sad tissues out of the way here, hold up our tears and we'll kind of close this out because, you know, like I said, this was a, a fantastic show. We were kind of, you know, really light on, uh, you know, kind of a lot of news and things, you know, really it's been a lot of stuff of, as COVID starting to kind of release and everything like that. So I think we're going to see a lot of things start happening with the Kentucky bourbon trail starting to reopen. Uh, and stuff like that. So we're hopefully going to see a lot of things that are going to change here uh, in the next few weeks in regards of uh, bourbon. So looking forward to to seeing that. Uh, one last shout out that as you as you kind of know that tonight we were raising funds for the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Please go to NAACPLDF.org and put in your donation and we will match everything up to, you know, screw it, we're not going to match. We're just going to donate $1,000. So easy enough. We're going to go ahead and call that done. Uh, but let's go ahead and I'll uh, I'll pass it over to Blake and let you close it out for us here or start the start the closing process. It's going to say, man, you're putting all the pressure on me to close it out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, you know, all, it's a roller coaster. I'm going to give you the first part going up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always good to be on. Um, you know, kind of like we we were talking about at the beginning of the show. You know, it's it's a tough time to come on and talk about bourbon with everything that's going on. You know, you want to support these communities and uh, these organizations, and uh, so I'm glad we could do a little bit of that because I mean. In all honesty, we, we we can't relate. So we want to do our best part to support them and, uh, you know, bring more diversity into bourbon. So um, thank you all for watching. Blake from Bourboner, Sealbox. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's Cal Repkin uh, uh, streak stays alive. So thanks for having me. As always, Nick. Sure. Yeah, thanks, guys. Always a, a, a pleasure to be on um chatting with everybody and and watching a lot of uh, great comments uh throughout the whole show here um so appreciate that as well but uh i am nick uh, one of the three guys behind breaking bourbon uh breaking bourbon.com and uh, all the socials at breaking bourbon so again thanks guys is that breaking without a without a g just like <laughs> <laughs> took it after sipping not, 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 not <laughs> gonna... VR. I never spell it either. It's not B R A K I N. We're not stopping bourbon. Uh, we're 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 breaking it. So think Breaking Bad, Breaking Bourbon. We actually have a play on that with one of the T-shirts. It's my favorite. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I get a lot of comments on that one when I when I wear it. People definitely relate to Breaking. You know, Bad, you know, so. Nick. When you guys first came out, because I come from the news background, I thought you were like trying to like be like breaking news. 
And then when I saw your T-shirt, I was like, oh, it's a Breaking Bad. <laughs> and actually, it, it wasn't even that. Like, that was just coincidental, honestly. Um, we were trying to come up with uh, – so we have this chat going. So I think it started when when um, smartphones became a thing, and, and it's a Hangouts chat and we get the bourbon bros we called it and at first it was going to be the bourbon bros we were doing going to do some website name with the bourbon bros no, so glad you didn't do that and our wives were like no don't do that and my wife started rattling off ideas and then she was like how about breaking bourbon so and she'll to this day she will definitely remind us <laughs> she's that take credit. She, she's she gets credit the for the name you know and i say i the name means as a big deal and you know what i never we've never regretted the name uh we've definitely are, are glad that came up and actually came up pretty quickly it was like the third idea she had when she heard what we were thinking and said no 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 you're not doing that <laughs> so thank that's, goodness <laughs> that's saying something that you never regretted your name because i regret bourboner all the time <laughs> <laughs> people are like how'd you come up with that and like it was a random tuesday in 2012 and i don't know <laughs> and now look at it <laughs> And now you got copycats. You got, yeah, you got yeah, yeah. all over. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian. All right. Thanks again for having me, guys. Uh, I'd always enjoy it. Uh, Brian with Sippin' Corn. You can find me on the socials, all of them at Sippin' Corn and SippinCorn.com and BourbonJustice.com. And appreciate everything uh, that you guys are, are leading the charge on tonight or uh, being part of and uh, glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. And make sure you follow Bourbon Pursuit on all the social handles as well, uh, plus TikTok. And thank you to everybody from our Patreon community that's been a supporter and is watching this as well on, on chat. Always good to have everybody here that actually helps grow our podcast and make it better and keep it sustainable. So thank you again for, for doing that. And Fred, I will let you go ahead and close it out, my man. Ah, uh, Well, you know, everybody appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, this is, um, this is, this is a difficult time right now for our country. And it's, it's important that we, we do not forget that the entire intent of bourbon is for us to all raise a glass, all raise a glass. Well, I got to add a little bit to my glass. That's what I'm doing too. I was like, I'm running low here. Let's, Let's get it on. It's to, it's to raise a glass and toast and appreciate one another. Bourbon is about being um, about being social, and this should not, in any way, shape, or form, uh, discriminate. And this is for helping our black communities get through everything that's going on right now. We will get through this. We will rise above this, and we will be a better country for it. So, thank you all for coming on. Thank you everybody uh, for the support today that we were raising. And uh, cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Be safe.